Welcome back to another episode of And All the Things. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce to you Roma Bajaj Kohli. Roma is the founder of Wellness by Roma and the host of the podcast, Awaken Your Real Power. She is a mindset coach and a self-confidence coach for teenagers and their parents, typically of ethnic descent, who struggle with feeling like a misfit. I mean, we can all relate to that feeling and the way that she digs in to where these individuals are and works as a team to pull them forward is incredible. She helps individuals discover their identity, their sense of self and anchor it with self-worth. She is also the co-author of an Amazon bestseller, Women Who Boss Up. She is all these things and so much more. She is a mother, she is a creator, she is an inspiration to me and so many others. In this conversation, you're gonna hear several parenting tips. So listen up parents. We talk about discipline. We talk about the experience of yoga and the deep, deep relationship she has with it. We talk about the difference between being assertive and being passive and how to really get what you want out of life. And then we really dig into what it means to use dark places as gifts and to turn our struggles into successes because her story takes us from truly all the things. She goes from a a really strict culture to suicidal tendencies, to becoming a mother, to shoplifting, to moving through all of that to build the skills and the gifts to help all of us grow, change, and serve. So in this conversation, you will get to meet Roma and all the things. And I assure you, you will leave with several beautiful gems for yourself. So enjoy the show and make it a great day. Hello, Roma. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is truly a pleasure to have you here to share with me and with our audience um, all of the magical things that you have within you to help yourself and others grow, change, and serve. So without further ado, tell us a little bit about Roma and the work you do today. Thank you, Michaela, for having me here. I think this is such a beautiful thing that you are doing to give back to the world. Um, Thank you. It's truly an honor. Um, Couldn't uh, do it without you, my dear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, a little bit about the work I do right now. Right now, I'm working with teens of ethnic descent and their parents because as an immigrant myself, I struggled to find a sense of belonging Mm -hmm. and a sense of anchoring into who I am. What am I doing here? This is not the first country I have lived outside of my home. So um, I've always, for the last 15 years of our marriage, uh, we've been living London, Switzerland, Italy, Paris. We've roamed most of, you know, uh, the world just for my husband's work. Yeah, just for my husband's work. So I guess um, that's at the core of what I do when... um, I like to, you know, there are different ways I always say it. For me, the biggest thing is understanding that the change that you are looking for outside of you starts from within you. Mm -hmm. So looking inwards is very important to me. But because we are human, 
we are living a life in the outside world yeah. which can get crazy loud noisy <laughs> but we have to live there we we are born as humans and so for me what the journey is now evolving to and what i help my teens my uh, my parents of teens understand is finding that that balance that harmony whatever resonates more with people is how do i live a life from the inside out versus from the outside in and when i am looking for my sense of belonging and i'm attaching my identity or my worth along the way with things outside of me mm-hmm. and how can i reclaim that and find it to like find that sense of ownership belonging within mm-hmm. but still continue yeah. to thrive in the world outside that's, that's it that's yeah. so spot on because if we're if we're not living within i i often say we'll be living without right and it's about the willingness to dig in so that the experience outside can be more fulfilling more uplifting and really less strugglesome right like less effort and yes life is effort and life is is work in that regard um but we can make it easier so so you do this work with teens and their families what is it about our teens today that they need desperately like cuz i look around and i see it and i know 25 30 years ago when i was coming up through my teens um we had our own set of problems and you use the word it's loud and noise and i often reference the noise as all the other things trying to get in and influence our authentic voice the thing that makes us us and and i i really i worry for our kids and as a mother mm-hmm. of a 9 and almost 12 year old very um selfishly i want to know like what am i looking at for our, for our youth today or i think it's similar to what we would have struggled growing up but on the surface level things are very different for our teens today yeah it is got to do with the exposure the global the the social media and beyond that they now know that there are other people sitting in other parts of the world who can have an opinion about what i'm doing how i look um everything else right mm-hmm. and so i feel like these kids are at a vulnerable point um with too much exposure but what their biggest gift is they are born into a world with a heightened sense of consciousness they know that they are at a time where technology is at its peak and who has made the technology come at its peak it's the humans so mm-hmm. for them to just have this understanding that the media or the noise does not control me or the things outside me don't control me rather i am in control of those things mm-hmm. is is the shift only right. for in my mind and i think that the regular preoccupation um you know the uh, to to be able to meet up to our parents expectations to mm-hmm. our, our own standards and uh, and to be okay with the fact that i am a human being who is full of flaws yeah and i'm and i'm accepting that i think social media makes that even harder right. in today's world and so 
just understanding that you know with so many filters you can make yourself look good right <laughs> even uh, and and it it's a judgment when people are sharing on social media we feel like everybody has a happy life except me right now who's scrolling the social media just to numb myself so i think at the core our struggles might be similar but it looks very different today yeah it's the 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 capacity of it all it, right yeah. and as yeah. i understand i mean i'm not a doctor or scientist but our brains biologically are way behind where we are industrially technologically and we our brains are not made to process this right all the input all the information all the noise um and because our brains are so biologically antiquated or behind we still think all that noise is the tigers coming to attack us right and so our our brains our bodies everything goes up in defense when we're not really being attacked by tigers it's ideas and influence and judgment and how you explained that for our youth i'm also seeing with the adults that i work with and i imagine you see that with the parents that you're working with too we somehow expect these kids to know how to handle this stuff when we as adults go through the same things right don't post that on social media because you know my hair is wonky or something um and like the the comparative suffering and and just so many levels of emotion for adults too so how do you help the adults the parents in this dynamic tap into where they are today with all this noise and help them pull through their authenticity because that's that's tough right cuz i imagine you're also helping them yeah understand it potentially for the first time and you know it goes two ways for me i always see whether a teen is sitting in front of me or a parent is sitting in front of me when you are in front of me we are talking about you Right. we are not concerned about your child even if your child is in in conversation with me right now because i need to understand whatever you are bringing up about your child how does that feel for you right what happens when when your child says does that triggers uh, you and what does that what does that you know what does that rise within you mm-hmm. what does that awake within you and and then let's address it from that point onwards it's it's individual at the same time it's a unit yeah. the family needs to thrive the parents need to learn the language and so my approach is always if you are sitting in front of me right now we are talking about you if you want right. to bring your child in the picture yes we bring the child in the picture but the child is in the picture as an instrument helping you understand what's going on in you when your child is behaving like that and same thing for the child when the child is bringing when the team is bringing as a parent in the middle what does your parent do or say that makes you feel that way and right. what is the onus of your responsibility in this situation to change that or to have a different perspective about it what do you think she's trying to get at what do you think he your pair your dad or your mom is trying to get at mm-hmm. or whatever is your family dynamic and and i think that to me is very simple and is very straightforward there's never mixing of the two if the parent you know definitely there are parents who tell me especially in the initial session you know these are the laundry list of things i would like for you to go through with my child you know when they're working yeah. with you 
right from cleanliness to putting um like studies like academics everything and and i'll be like wow thank you thank you mm-hmm. for giving this i'm like literally taking that load off you but i also want you to know i will go through all this list i will i will only touch those points where your child is willing to go within themselves too right i cannot go in those areas where they are not willing to go right. i can gently bring it up because you have given so much of awareness to me but may or may not result in a transformation in that area because it depends the child might be seeing him or herself very differently from how you are trying to trying to look at them or you or how you are trying to you know imagine them as a perfect teen for you right now yeah and that's tough when we live in a world where at least in in the United States I had my babies everything was measured everything was benchmarked everything was on the bell curve or you know this percentile and it was all measure 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 and it was hard right my my kid had certain needs he had a different experience as a baby and i had to learn very quickly that i could not measure him against everyone else i had to learn to measure him in his own being and it was very difficult with a child like a baby baby right to not want to 6 weeks is he doing this 8 weeks 12 weeks and just measure 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 and i have to say where you know we turn our lemons into lemonade it was a a real gift because it took him off that bell curve it took him out of that scale and i had to learn to just measure where he was and it's made it easier i think as he's approaching these teen years to just continue repeating you do you buddy this is your experience right and but i learned really young and i don't think a lot of people truly get that and then we become teenagers and our parents are like figure it out you should know this by now and and it, and and it doesn't translate because they're trying to become themselves and we have no idea who they are we have no clue who they are yet and neither do they it's our job to help them figure it out but to your point when the parents are only trying to fix the kid and not looking at how they're influencing and creating those conditions we won't yeah. see the change right um no. oh that's so interesting so i find i'm working with a a family right now as well it's a um young 20s uh young woman and her parents you know and they just want to know is she okay is everything going to be okay and i'm like we don't have enough data to figure out what's going on let's start asking her questions and So I agree with you because what I'm doing with them is how are you interacting with her? What expectations are you giving her? What empowerment to be more adult like are you creating for her to be her best self, right? Um right. So I I find that really really interesting. So the other thought that I had while you were talking is about the word discipline. We hear the word discipline and I think um a military the officer very disciplined very regulated and then we apply that word to our children we want to discipline our children and i think it i think it gets a bad rap because the way we use discipline is very punitive it seems but there's a way to use it in a positive constructive way what is your experience with discipline in working with this particular demographic yeah uh I love that because I think just few months back I had done a whole 
whole live to my newsletter on uh, word discipline and how oh, nice. i've i think the word discipline should be attached with two other words that's giving yourself grace and permission so grace and permission to come with the word discipline um fortunately i like that you know the word discipline when when we hear it it sounds so military regimented right mm-hmm. so fortunately we are not at war in our home we are at ease and peace in our home so for me discipline looks more like flowy and more like inconsistent sometimes and if that happens grace and permission is all i'm always reminding myself so when it comes to wanting to discipline your child i think you have to again uh look within that how do i behave or what how do i react to myself when i am inconsistent when i fall out of my practices when i fall out of my rituals when i fall out of my routine mm-hmm. and really start from that place can you be a little bit more gentler on yourself give yourself a little bit more grace and then naturally that will come easily out for you when it comes with your team so mm-hmm. i'll give you a quick example my daughter she's like 10 she um knows that there is a workbook that she does she knows that if she has to answer key she's going to be tempted to tear like to peep into it and then yeah. write the answer so she found the best way for her was to cut out the answer sheets and staple them and keep them separately she gave them to me so that she, she doesn't even have the temptation Awesome. Whereas my son, yeah, whereas now now these are two two kids born in the same household. My right. son uh does the workbook the similar like he has a similar workbook and he is doing eighth grade like set eighth grade level work and so he doesn't he believes in keeping the answer sheet in with it with it and he believes that every time he finishes a set of questions he wants to go back and check sure. whether he got it right or wrong. And so my they when they were both sitting together the other day on on the kitchen table doing their work uh my daughter said that i don't think your approach is the right approach i think you should just you know you're too tempted to look back at every section just right. finish the whole week and then look back for your right or wrong answer right. and my son said something very beautiful and empowering and he said now maybe you have a challenge to trust yourself I think I trust myself. And for me, looking after every step the answer gives me a sense of confidence to go forth and finish the rest of the work, a sense of motivation. Mm-hmm. So profound as that sounded in that moment, did my child over the week, did he not get tempted to cheat? He did. Having that awareness Having that ability to give yourself the permission and the grace mm-hmm. was what was a valuable learning curve for him. Right. That okay, I'm talking somewhere knowledge. I know the knowledge of trusting right. myself and letting the answer be. I think I'm ready to walk on that path. But when it comes to actually putting into practice, I do get tempted to see. But does that mean that this this kid needs to now be disciplined and his paper needs to be cut out too? 
I want that to be his choice. I'd rather have them fail and lose now than yeah. have these bigger failures in their life later on. I think so that's I such a great example. I think, I think it's perfect. I really do. Because when we're clear on what the desired result is, right? And for it, for this example, the desired result is that two children, two young people complete certain number of tasks in this workbook to a certain, you know, proficiency. Great. How they get there, as long as they do it with integrity, doesn't matter, right? And there are 75,000 ways to get to any one place. You know, look at anytime you pull up your GPS or your, your Google Maps or whatever, right? It gives you options. There are a lot of ways to get there. But yet in another house or in another circumstance, there might have been a, a, a negative discipline, a militant discipline of no, this is how you do the workbook. There are no exceptions. This is just it. And what that does is it takes away the experience, to your point, in a safe space where our children to your, aren't at war, let's hope, right? Um, they get to learn what works best for them. And that's how we build a space for happy, healthy, productive, socially independent contributors to society, right? Because isn't that what we want for our kids, for them to make good decisions on their own? So I think that's a great example and a great way to reflect that discipline can be unique and it can be positive when it's communicated very clearly what the desired result is, you know? Um, the other thought that I had that popped up as you were talking is it made me think a lot, and I know you have a background in yoga. It made me think a lot about the practice of yoga and how you and I get on a mat um, separately doing the same practice and we do it differently. We do it at our own pace. We do it with our own awkward movements, bumps, sounds, you name it. Um, and it just really felt like a, a parallel to the idea that yoga life is just practice. We know what we want to do, but we have to take our time and experience the journey on our own. Um, is that, does that make sense? Does that ring true for you with your training as a, in yoga? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I would just like to back up just a little bit because a thought came into my mind as you were oh, talking with the previous example you know in households where you mentioned that there is a regimented way of this is how you're going to do your workbook mm -hmm. what i what i would like to point in in that kind of a household or in that kind of an environment is the absence or the need for the ability for the parents to come with full presence and listening when my child, when my son was talking about trusting, I heard what he didn't say. I heard what he didn't say was that he was ready to start being accountable to himself. He wanted to, he wanted to take this off the road, like this, right. this path to become his own authority, to have sovereignty over himself. And I saw that urge in him. Now, is he going to fall? He is. He clearly mm -hmm. is many times and we are catching right. him, I'm catching him and we are going through it. You're going through that cycle. But it doesn't mean when you hear that in your child's voice, you need to understand that, oh my God, my child is old now and I'm, I'm start panicking right. like he doesn't need me anymore. No, it's rather a sense of um, 
liberating for a parent, a moment of celebration, because now the child is saying, I'm ready to wean off you. I'm ready to yeah. take responsibility of this on me. Will I falter? Yeah. But, but I'm ready to start learning to do this on my own. Hey, hey there, amazing listeners of And All The Things. Thank you for being on this journey with me. The fact that you're still here, I have to assume this podcast has sparked your curiosity, encouraging you to think of life beyond your current boundaries. Now it's time to take that energy and channel it into a transformative journey where boundless joy awaits. Introducing The Course for Joy, brought to you by Joy Enterprises and me, Michaela, your joy coach. Life gets busy, I get it, but self-care matters and should not take a back seat. That is why we've crafted a four-week self-guided adventure to seamlessly fit into your routine. In just 15 minutes, a few times each week, our enlightening video lessons and engaging workbooks will guide you through self-discovery and bring you closer to growth. As a special bonus, when you enroll in the Course for Joy, you'll receive an exclusive 50-minute live coaching session. We'll celebrate your progress and create a roadmap for your journey ahead. Are you ready to paint your life with vibrant joy and purpose? Visit myjoycoach.com backslash course to learn more about the transformative course for joy. Let's amplify your joy and ignite your purpose together. Stay tuned for more inspiration and insights right here on And All The Things. And I think that's where the awareness, the presence, the listening the space holding really comes in. And when I'm working with parents, this is something why, this is why I'm always trying to go within them is to see what's blocking you from really being that fully present, from really listening to even the words your kids are not saying and understanding where they are coming from. My daughter needed a sense of cold turkey, no grace, no she doesn't need room for permission and grace. She just wants to get that distraction, which will mm-hmm. tempt her out of her way. That works for her. I don't need to worry about it. But with my son, I know, even though he's wanting independence, wanting sovereignty, he's going to still need my support. And gently, I'm going to be able to give him that to him. And one thing I want to really pinpoint here is that what parents don't realize is how we nurture or discipline most importantly our children that voice of yours as a parent remains as it eventually becomes the noise in their head when they are on their own they are talking to themselves in exactly that tone so if you have a harsh way of dealing with faltering and mistakes then be damn sure your child, as they grow up, is not going to have a better way of communicating their mistakes to themselves. Yep. So this was just something that really came to me I wanted to bring forth. It's it, it's hitting. It's hitting a lot. You know, I, I, I did that. I know that I did that. I know that, you know, in your safe space when you're home, right, you can just let, let your freak flag fly or let all the things out. And I know... For myself, when I was feeling going through my time of darker times where I wasn't feeling whole and authentic and alive in my space and connected, um, I was short. I was quick. Uh, 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 right. Just very, very. I would never talk to 
other people like that, but I would look at my kids and be like, what, you know? And, and I realized when I started to hear them speak in that way, I was like, oh my God, what have I, what have I done? And I had to just learn the patience and the practice to how would I want to talk to somebody else, anybody, like a stranger on the street, I would be far kinder, far more compassionate, right? So I've had to learn to do that. So that's hitting home because I know that I was setting all of us up for um, just a snowball effect with this impulsive response. And I can say with certainty, as I have continued to do my work and adjusted myself, so too have they simmered down. Their responses mm-hmm. are shifting. Their sense of agitation is shifting. And and it feels really good. It's a lot of effort. I'm still very cognizant and conscious of how I interact with them because I know more than ever that I am the voice in the back of their head right now that's filtering into the authenticity that is theirs. And I don't want to mess that up. I don't want to mess it up. They're here to be great in their own unique and strange or wonderful, beautiful way. Um, who am I to get in the way of that? You know, so I'm so glad you went back to to kind of put a pin in that because that it it was a reminder for me and also a recognition of how the work really can work. Yeah, you know how it really how it proves fruitful. Um, so thank you. Such a gift. That. Thank you for sharing that. That was such yeah. a gift. I think just awareness is the key. And now, you know, circling that back, if I may, to your question around yoga. And yeah. So I studied it. I did not just study, do a yoga teacher training. I went back to the ashram in India where I did my yoga teacher training. I wanted to study the philosophy behind it. And so the practice, that we call is like sadhana. It's, you know, that's the Sanskrit word for it. And for me, my sadhana, my practice has had so many ebbs and flows, but I'm grateful for each one of them. And that has made yoga become such a integral part of my life. Because I think that if we are so, if we get stuck to the way it needs to be done very in a very disciplined and regimented way, then it becomes very hard for you to sustain something for too long. And I'll tell you why. It's because law of nature is such that we as human beings and the nature is infinite. Everything is constantly changing every moment. So if you are going to hold on to a cookie cutter way or even a way that you took out of the cookie cutter mold and made it yours, customized it. But there will be days your body will not want to put that much effort. And if you are not going to be able to be cognizant of the fact that everything in nature is impermanent, we are at the end just atoms that are vibrating at such a high vibrancy and frequency that we look like we look the same person in the mirror every day. But we are changing at the atomic level of our being. We are changing every moment. And if we can honor and understand that law, we will know and we will laugh on our younger selves who thought that it has to be this way or no other way. I completely, you are hit, you're hitting all the chords. Um, I can, you know, vulnerably again, say I was that girl. I started doing yoga um, maybe about 20, right? So quite some time ago. 
And I can honestly say I spent the first 10 years just trying to be better than the other people in the room or like the deepest, farthest, longest, strongest. Um, And what I found when I shifted my approach to yoga, when I really got myself a great teacher who got inside of me with it, I was like, man, no wonder this has been so boring, right? Like it was just work. Every yoga session I did, and I did lots of them, it was just work. I just wanted to be a yogi, right? Mm-hmm. And and when I shifted and it took the work out of it because I was just where I needed to be. I, I moved differently I and I'm way, way better if there's a quantification for that only because I get more out of it. I, I'm in it more. I don't need to go deeper into the stretch to to get the fulfillment out of it. And I just, mm-hmm. I love all yoga because it's such a parallel to life right we can push and we can push and we can beat our you know our hands and our fists until we're blue in the face but that's not yoga right that's muscling through on a mat in strange positions um and i just i think that we are trying so hard to look like the right position that we totally deny the experience Um, And I can very much see that, as I said earlier, in my own parenting, right? Like where I have the advantage of I wasn't measuring certain growth and and benchmarky type things. But obviously, I'm still measuring stuff. I'm still measuring, am I a good enough parent? Did I clean it enough? Does it look right? And we give that to our children. And I just, for me, again, I, I don't want to pass on my problems, right? I don't want to pass my problems to my children. I'm going to, we're all going to. Um, so in this way, how has yoga and your and your deep study and experience really at the root of it all been a guidepost to how you do the work with your youth and your families? I think um, the number one thing that comes to the top of my mind, and this is something I learned from another scriptural book, um, in the Hindu philosophy, which is about, uh, it's about a god named Krishna. He talks to, he is con- conversing to someone who's like us. He's all, he's a yogi and practitioner. He's one of the finest archers of his time. And he's at war and he doesn't want to be at war because he's like, I don't want to use my my bow to kill these people who are opposite of me they are my family some of them are my family and I don't want to do this anymore and so um one of the things that I really pick up from there it's a life lesson for me is enjoying the journey and not being worried about the outcome of it learning to grab the fruit in the journey itself rather than waiting to favor the fruits of the, you know, the end result, Mm -hmm. learning to embrace the labor of the the fruits of the labor, rather than wanting to wait till the end for my tree to grow, and then give me the fruit. Rather, I believe that I plant those trees under whose shade, I may never want, I may never have to sit. So this is, this is what truly resonates with me. And I'll simplify it a little bit. For me, it is all about the journey. So if you talk about the physical practice of yoga, the asana practice, for me, it's about the journey that I take from being able to bend down and be able to touch my toes. It's that it's those days that got me to 
the final position of being able to touch my toes or right. you know headstand headstand was one of my things i always wanted to do without the support of a wall so it's what got me to that level i really have found a way to nurture and cherish that and and that that concept that way of thinking and living and perceiving life gave me the freedom when i became a coach i was taking initially all the weight on me that oh my goodness this person who's in front of me i need to help them have a breakthrough if not right. i'm not a good coach i'm not a good coach mm-hmm. if i'm not able to help my teenage my my teenager or my daughter right now preteen calm down i'm not a good mom mm-hmm. but it's not my responsibility to make them be at ease it's my responsibility to be that bridge that can do it that they can access to to meet their inner peaceful self when they are at stress to walk that path with me to meet that inner peaceful self of themselves through mm-hmm. me that's it and i just focus on being that to my clients to my kids to my husband so my relationship both with self and with everyone outside of me changed from that point on because before Love that it. it was all about who the hell are you what the hell are you doing here if you make a mistake that's it you're out you're doomed and mm-hmm. and i was like no it can't was be that, that your self talk was that was that yeah. your that was my inner critic yeah the voice of roma at what 20 yeah. is that where we are um oh like not even 20 like till up till now like i'm <laughs> even in my mid 30s mm-hmm. that was her and and i've seen over the period of time i wished one day like there was a, there was a point when i was into my yoga practice and coaching so deep that i wish one day that this voice would vanish and now this voice is almost like a reminder yeah. for me that oh if these come back with that intensity with that cunningness of cruelty in her voice with that negativity this is showing me i need to loosen my grip i need to increase my self love so now mm-hmm. my 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 inner critic voice is kind of like oh you know it's like i call it my rebel mind my rebel mind voice is kind of like a reminder oh you need to lean back and i need to surrender and i need to fall in love with me all over again that's beautiful <laughs> i love that and i think i think it's so important that um we're going to rewind real quick because sitting here listening to you today it it and and listen there's a we we think we put people on pedestals yoga instructors coaches to where they don't have problems they're all zen all the time right and i've just admitted multiple times in my life where i'm not super zen um it's the practice right it's the experience of it but if i if i can reflect back in some of the reading that i did um in preparation for this you you've gone from being a person with that kind of self talk um and admittedly having suicidal thoughts in your 20s to being here today with clarity and confidence and self-awareness and grace for yourself so that you can use your gift for others to grow to change and to serve that's a big about face right that that's a lot of a lot of choices how do you cultivate the the aware did you cultivate the awareness and the courage 
to go from, and you're welcome to talk about how you got to this place, but to go from having the suicidal thoughts to helping others move beyond a space where that could even play. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind, I want to first address what brings, what not really go in much into details, but like on a, on a high level address, what really brings one to the point of having suicidal thoughts? Yes, thank and you. This is this is my understanding of it or my experience of it. I'm sure there are other things and you know reasons in other people's life, but I'm here to share mine, and I only can take and I you know, thank you for that accountability of that. So there were a lot of reasons on the outside that happened. I got married very young. I didn't know how to. Uh, deal with other like relationships like in-laws and meet their expectations I was always a good girl wanting to do everything right listen to my parents and yes those are all things that lead up to it but at the core there were two very important things that I did not realize as a human being I needed to have within myself and no one no one on the outside could give it to me. No one, no thing, no career path could give it to me. And that was self-worth and self-esteem. I had it. I had zero. If I could say, if I had the permission to say, I would say I was in deficit. I was like in deep down negatives of it, in depth of not having self-esteem and self-worth. And when you go and you uh, start interacting with people on the outside, it's very easy for you to become the doormat. Very easy for a person like that to be treated like shit. Everyone and everyone can walk over you because you are begging for other people to validate you. You're begging for other people to make you feel good about you. And so, I and, think and part of this, that is what helped you. Part of that is your gift. Part of that is what kept you connected. Part of that had some service, right? But there has to be a boundary to it. There has to be some kind of a catch that says, as long as I have enough, I can give, right? Which turns it from being the doormat to being assertive versus passive. Um, but all of those things were were not bad. It's just too much or or not enough of, of you yeah. um, balanced in between. And I want to point that out because I, I experienced that. I know that my gift is service. I also know that my Achilles heel is service, right? Because mm -hmm. if I just give and give and give and give and give, I, I end up empty, which is how I put myself in my darker time, you know? Um, so so I, I just want to kind of highlight that, that the beauty of it is, is the things that we need can also hurt us if we're not using them in the right way, if we're not protecting exactly. ourselves. Um, so I don't want to jump the gun, but it that that just... Again, you hit you hit it. You hit the nerve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think I see you. I see you in this. I think that's such a powerful thing because I've always thought of it like that. You teach what you need the most in your life. Right? So you serve what you need the most in your life. So there's a reason why I'm working with teams with self confidence, right. self worth and self esteem, because this is something that I always lacked in my life. And not to say that I understood it all, the suicidal thoughts came at the really lowest point in my life where I was like, I don't really see 
my presence has any value to anyone. But I also want to give a, you know, a thing here is that when you are in your lowest low, you are almost like you have a tunnel vision. You're almost like with the horse with the blinders. Mm-hmm. And you are almost like not able to see life in its bigger perspective. And so to not make any dis- decisions in that moment right. is what I learned the hard way. I right. I was so grateful. My husband, you know, saw me and was like, what are you doing? What are you doing in the balcony of a 10th floor apartment? And I was like, um, I don't know what I'm doing here. Sorry. Like, thank wow. God he woke me up. He woke me up and he brought me to sense. But like, wow, not- the brain is a powerful thing. Right. Yes. Like you. Right. You were sleepwalking more or less, or like. No, wow. it was a conscious. You were totally was, conscious. Okay. Yeah, I was conscious, but it was all like ignorant consciousness. Not right? present. Right. Not. Not present. Not clear. And not present. So so deluded by my darkness and my shadow mm-hmm. that I thought that my living doesn't have any worth in anyone else's life, but I didn't think what impact it would have on my parents' life, what on my husband's life, on, right. on everyone else who was attached to me in some way or form, what impact would it have on their life? Is that how could she do this? How could she give up on herself? Did she ever think about that we are associated with her too? Mm-hmm. And and so now I have that perspective. But in that moment, darkness gets so hard. So I always tell my clients, when you are in darkness, refrain from making any decisions. Allow yourself a time. I'm going to be in my darkness for, say, 60 60 minutes, two days. But that's it. In those two days, I'm going to really allow, because darkness has its own gift too. There there is no shutting it down. There is no shutting it down. But like, allow yourself, give yourself some time and know that today I'm going to like really be in my darkness and I know I'm going to come out of it. And so building that healthy relationship so boundary. Yeah. yeah. The first boundary that I needed to have was with my darkness, with my fear-based mind, and be like, okay, boss, I see you really rule a lot of my life. Right. But you are not the place from where decisions will be made going forward. So that was the first boundary on the inside made with my shadow self, with my dark self, that no, this is not the place in which I will make my decisions. And I, I like took that. that power away from that. And then over a period of time, as I learned that, okay, it's not always these deep, dark emotions. Sometimes darkness likes to cloak itself into love and make me believe that now you can make a decision because this is the power of the mind. Mm-hmm. It, it, it puts you. I if like you are it. not listening to it, if you are trying to rewire the neurons in your brain to work for you, to stop the negativity and allow positivity to come in in the real way, not toxic positivity, your mind is going to trick you and dress itself as love. Fear is going to dress itself as love and fool you and lure you into making decisions. But it's also the wisdom, the higher wisdom within you that starts learning to discern between when fear is disguising versus when love is truly present. And then you make decisions from yourself. And it's a dance. It's a dance yeah. that I continue to do with myself, with my fear, with my 
ego, my God self, my, which I call like, you know, my, my rebel mind, my God self, and then my authentic self. And, and this is a dance I keep doing up until today. And it's one of the most, what do I say? The word that comes to me is one of the most profound things a human is capable to do once we learn the right tools. Once we learn to label these voices in our head and discern, oh, right now, my the, the bus of my life is being driven by my fear-based mind. Right now, the bus of my life is being driven by my authentic self. And this is exactly when I work with my teens, the 16-week program, this is exactly what I help them get clear on. And then be able to make conscious decisions from that place on. That's so good. You know, it's, it's so good because I think where you're taking, where, where it sounds like you're taking your, your clients, your youth is to just a place of identifying their purpose. I feel so much that we are just living life without purpose, which puts us on the hamster wheel, which makes things mundane, which gives us room to, to pity ourselves and, Oh, look at me again. Um, and I think that our, our youth with that exposure and that global um, reach, yes, it's a lot of, it can have a lot of judgment, but it's also a lot of opportunity and insights. We have to help our people, our kids, our adults, you name it, identify what they like, what's important, not just a quick swipe, a quick swipe, but to stop and think and, and find a purpose to whatever it is that they're doing, right? If they're just swiping and swiping and swiping and what what is that? There's no discernment in that. And to be able to stop and say, is this good for you? Do you like this? Does this get you closer to your goals? Do you have goals? Yeah. Um, the family I'm working with, I said in our initial consult, I said, well, why is she in college? And they said, well, I don't know. We don't know. Just that's what you do. And and then it's like now that now we have some understanding as to why there might be some conflict with how that process is going, right? Because we don't know what we're doing. Um, so I think that when whatever age we are, when we have purpose, it gets a lot easier to make the decisions about what are good for us. And when we have purpose, we're not trying to hide from the pain. And when we talk about, when I, when I talk about suicide and, and the research I've done and the conversations I've had, we're not trying to kill ourselves to punish other people or ourselves. We just don't want to suffer. We don't want to feel the pain anymore. And we don't know how to move beyond that. So was there an instigating moment for you? Was there just, was it that moment on the balcony? How, tell us about the moment where you said, not anymore. This is, this is not my new way of being. Or was it a more prolonged um, coming to awareness? It was a prolonged coming to awareness for me. It wasn't in that moment. In that moment, it just felt like, yeah, I don't want to do this. I want to live. I love, I love life. Mm -hmm. Not my life, but I love life. Mm -hmm. Not life right, right? now, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not me and my life, but I love life. So mm -hmm. I think it took a lot more. And if you don't mind, what I also want to share in this moment is a quick, another dark phase you know, dark um, phase yeah, of my life where I remember we were in Switzerland, giving birth to my firstborn. I was, again, 
down into deep postpartum and pre depression you know like before i could even give birth it's a lot and it's a lot right and also for someone who never really worked in in these many years i never worked with anyone no one in my family ever said to me that maybe you need help you need to talk to a therapist because it's it's a taboo it's a taboo in my culture to to seek mental health so it's like a and so in india if you have a mental health condition you have to go for mental asylum if to be around hmm. but you don't belong environment like you need to figure out what you and so I, obviously that option wasn't knew that option right now i never told that option was there until worthless didn't know how to live my life even though my so unfortunately during the recording of this episode we had several technical difficulties and what i'm really sad for is that the story that you miss is really important to understanding how truly far roma has come to move beyond where she was she tells you the story of having moved to the states from india and being in a really dark place still struggling from postpartum of her first child and second child and struggling from the layover of of issues and trauma that she brought with her to the states she ended up shoplifting this was something she had done before and she carried it into her new life in new york city one particular day she was in the store with her 7 month old and she had her goods hidden in her jacket and somebody walked up and grabbed her arm and said just walk let's not make a scene and as they ushered her through the store to the back of the office she was so bereft so shaken by what she had done and what she was doing to herself that the details you know are just so intense but she really had to look in and understand why am i doing this what is it that i'm seeking and it sounds like it was a search for connection a search to be seen and when she had to go out to the car where her husband was anxiously finding a parking spot with her children and admit to what she was doing it was a call to action for her to say no more that was her awakening and from that she inspired herself into and through yoga coaching a, a health and lifestyle based on good food and good practices and good mindset and what she talks about is that through this process she was able to find grace and forgiveness consider that my friends and now back to the show ah <sighs> permission grace compassion all of those beautiful things and the vulnerability to share it's so human and i am so grateful that you shared that because we are not here to be perfect right we are here to be ourselves and to explore and to figure it out and if we as adults think that our job is to be perfect what the hell are we going to do to our kids who have no clue what they're doing they're just figuring it out so if we can't hold ourselves with that kind of forgiveness and awareness and not to laugh at it today right but to to kind of be like huh, yeah i was really in a spot but i've really come out of it and i know for me when i get the opportunity to share those moments of my you know vulnerability what some might call weakness um mm-hmm. 
I really try to take them because I want people to understand that I'm not here today saying I have any answers. I have an experience and a journey. I have a lot of training and research and all the things. But I have my story that is highly imperfect by by somebody's standard, I'm sure. Um, but I'm learning to live it unapologetically and to understand that it is a journey based on curiosity. Um, and that if we're not showing ourselves grace and compassion, we'll never be able to give that to other people. Um, so my next question for you before I have a couple, I have lots more, but um to kind of start pulling us into the close, I saw you a few months ago and you had just returned from a silent retreat. And for someone like me, someone like you that obviously has the opportunity to say a lot of things all the time, I think you said it was a 10 day retreat. Can you help us get a glimpse into what that experience was? Um, why did you go? What did you get? Because that's fascinating. I think the why for me over the years has become easier. Okay. And I'll tell you why. As a mom, um, it's hard for me to pull away from my family because mm -hmm. especially living here where I don't have so much support from family uh, or anything, right? We are mm -hmm. on our own, whatever we are doing. But one thing has become very clear to me. When I start seeing that my cup is getting empty, I know that the only way I'm going to get full is when I retreat and I go inwards, connect to myself. And it's taken me many, many years, 10 years or more, to be able to start giving that permission to myself that, yeah, you are not feeling your best self. I'm not showing up as the best mom that I can be, as the best wife I can be, the best daughter. Right. All my relationships are compromising, including myself. So those are the times I, I look outwards for looking for a place where I can go in and be with me. Yet, what I didn't know, so that's my why. My why is very simple, mm -hmm. uh, but so important. <laughs> I think everyone it's should find important. a way yeah, to, to spend time with themselves. Mm -hmm. If they can do it on a weekly, monthly basis, amazing. For me, with the kind of a life I live, I try to do it on a six months to a yearly basis depends so um i for me that was what i what i wanted but when i signed up for this retreat god damn knows i had no clue what i was signing up for but yeah i definitely didn't know what i was getting into when i was signing up for this meditation program mm -hmm. and i was trying to get into this program for the last three years. And for some reason, I just thought I need to go to the one in Boston. They have multiple centers around US. And then somebody told me about the one in Delaware. And I got it in the first time I enrolled for it because this is a free 10-day program. They have a huge wait list. Not everyone gets in at all times. And so, okay. I, so I was like, okay, great. I got in. And it kind of felt very refreshing to get in. And so I was like, okay, um, this is something I've been hearing about. Let's go and experience what it was. So a lot of people who went started hearing my friends, close friends were like, oh my God, do you know what you've signed up for? And I said, no, I did not do any research. I just 
was reading their emails of what they told me, what you need to bring, how you need to prepare, that's it. I did not go online to read what were other people's opinions about this because I've heard a little bit that would come to my ear through some friends who've done it is like, this is so hard. I came back on the third day. I couldn't stay there for 10 days, whatever, whatever. And so I was like, I don't want to hear anymore. I think I've heard enough. And there's enough of that nervousness that I need to do something. So I think I'm I'm ready to go. And in one sentence, if I were to sum it up, this was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Wow. But the most worthwhile, the most worthwhile thing. Hmm. Interesting. What is your takeaway? Like what, what made yeah. it so much more profound than another retreat another year? Yeah. So number one is the takeaway of the noble silence. I think we are, so throughout the retreat, we were maintaining noble silence from 8 p.m. the day we landed to 2.30 p.m. on the 10th day. After that, we could talk. So the number one thing where I, rea I realized the importance of becoming quiet, silencing your own voice, so that you can make room for your inner intuition to become louder. And, and I think that that silence is a gift. Recently, I went back uh, for a one-day program. And I think the noble silence was my biggest takeaway. Because I mm. think that in that, um, I realized that when we are in, in a frenzy, when we are anxious, we, we don't need anyone or anything else but just to become quiet and still within our own mind and bodies so that we can then try to listen to the inner wisdom that's already within us and really start acting from that place. So wow. one, was, one was the silence. The other was, you know, the three hours in a day that they would, it was not three hours in a stretch, but like, three hours broken into the whole day where we were asked to sit absolutely still. And for the exact reason, that stillness, we were asked that even if we feel an itch, even if we feel an urge to open our eyes, don't do it. Just don't do it. And try to just watch how impermanent everything is. Even if I was having a sensation or a gross uh, pain crossing my spine because I was sitting in a certain yoga posture, meditative posture, I, the cramps in my leg, it was a means to see if I sat still and did not give in to moving my posture, eventually the pain lost its, lost its grip over me and vanished. I don't know mm. where it went, but it went away. Wow. And so just, just understanding and experiencing this was a whole nother level of like, you can say awakening or a whole nother level of knowing myself and knowing that what a, what a, like what a sham this whole mind stuff is, you know, yeah. it's just a scam. It's trying to fool me at all times. But if I, if I'm just able to be quiet enough and still enough, I can see all of this is nothing. Mm. And one more thing that's coming to my mind that also had a very profound effect on me was we were given meals two times in a day, 6.30 and a.m. in the morning and 11 
uh, 11 a.m. in the morning, and then in the night, evening, we were just given a team, and um, and a little bit like the new students could have one fruit or two fruits, like just you had a choice between apple, orange, and banana. And what I realize is that most of the time. because my nervous system is not regulated and i am not calm i am clinging on to food and the mm. taste and the flavors of it to make me feel at ease and mm. i and i just realized the power of food over my emotions mm. and how much the because i was meditating for 10 hours in a day that that that's how i schedule looked like i realized that i didn't actually need all that food mm-hmm. i didn't actually need it you know and, and that's and of that... course when i go ahead yeah no and i was just saying when i came back i started feeling just resistance towards life just melting away from inside me mm. so yeah <laughs> that's incredible that's that's incredible and i'm having strands from our conversation just weaving so deeply and beautifully into what you're saying. And when we think about the noise, the noise isn't just social media coming at our teens. You know, we've got the noise of mass marketing where we're told to eat this much food this many times a day and we're not going to be happy if we don't go get this snack or this bottle of wine or this thing. and then we look at what's happening in the self-care industry and how you need 17 bottles of lotions and tonics in your morning face routine and if you're not getting a massage you'll never be satisfied and all of that noise is a distraction from what's actually happening in our bodies and when we don't have the discipline to flow and to sit with the discomfort knowing that there's something on the other side that's more pure more whole um we end up in conflict right with the noise with ourselves and to your point then our nervous systems go bananas and you know we have autoimmune diseases and diseases of all manner springing from this unrest um so the way you talk about silence yes. as a gift as the darkness as a gift it takes away the judgment and it takes away that experience of self pity of oh boo hoo look at me sitting here but but to look right. at those troublesome moments or what we might in our current knowing way of being right this this noisy way um are bad but sitting and acknowledging the pain acknowledging the emotions and then finding a way to let them go to not keep telling that story um i think is so important because that's where we can find our purpose when we get rid of all the noise and we figure out Really my job right now is to sit here for 3 hours and to learn to sit with the pain, to learn to sit with the comfort, to learn to sit with the change. And we don't give ourselves enough time for that. Um so for you to do that for 10 days is extraordinary. Um awe-inspiring, but I also can understand the depth of um commitment and work that went into that experience. Mm-hmm. But that's the only way we become fruitful on the other side. right we can't grow if we don't change um so so as we close today and we think about our youth and discipline and influence and moving beyond dark times 
What is it that you're working on today? What projects do you have coming up that our audience and I can look forward to participating in? Yeah, I think um, one of the most important things that from my work is the my one-on-one, you know, the Awaken Teen program that I help teenagers for 16 weeks and I help them understand the different voices in their head and really understand themselves in a way where they can uh, make conscious choices, decisions for themselves, anchor into their purpose, etc. Mm-hmm. And now recently what I'm working on is this Awaken Mind series that I want. This is specifically for parents. I want to create a support group of parents who can talk about anything on the sun, under the sun, in this safe space where I have some you know, titles of the workshops, but we are talking about right from everything to finances, to sex, to how to deal with stigmas and how to help our teen emotionally grow. Like every topic you can think of related to parenting and teens and preteens, we are going to be having some experts. We are going to have some one-on-one, like just me uh, trying to orchestrate the sessions and workshops and so this that is something i would love to invite everyone on and and another third thing that i'm working on is in october just for moms i want to take mothers away from for some time and really go on this healers retreat where we are working on elevating the healer within ourselves and so these are the three things that are that are my current you know passion labor of love <laughs> passion projects. that's wonderful so who would be the ideal target right because parents of you know what age or you know i, I think yeah. you said or i know you said you work with particularly youth uh with diverse yeah. ethnicity um yeah tell us a little bit more about you know who this who these are crafted yeah. for so the teen program is for a teen who's in high school and above. If the teen can be a little bit more mature in the middle school, who is willing to, you know, have this conversation and do the work on themselves, like you said, you know, it takes a lot of commitment to want to uh, understand yourself. And it's not going to be a linear path. It's not going to be one straight line you're going to walk on. You will be going in circles. Then you will be going in parallel lines. And then you will be going in, um, you know, the ECG lines mm-hmm. of up and down. And so I I prefer if it's high school and above kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, until they are in their mid-20s, that's a perfect spot for me. Okay. For the one-on-one teen programs. For parents, it doesn't matter. As long as you are a parent of a preteen or a, or a teen and you feel that I think I can use this support, this help, this knowledge, then you can come. Obviously, it's not, this is a free series of workshops. So it's not something, uh, I don't think young, really young parents who have toddlers might not even benefit from this, but from mm-hmm. kids who are eight years and older, if you have kids who are eight years and older, this is perfect for you. And for the retreat is basically moms who are in a similar journey who feel the calling who feel the inertia within themselves that yeah there's something that I'm always against in my life could that be me (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. what is that and how can I move away from that then 
then this is for you too. So yeah, similar audiences, okay. but I'm glad you asked that question. Thank you. Yeah, of course. No, it's, I, I say that this whole conversation is selfishly driven because I want to know. And when I find that I want to know these things, I have to believe other people do too, because we spend so much time living in the land of trying to be or look perfect or whatever the measure is, but we are all struggling to find our way. And I, I really want, I only know my journey right now. I'm a mom, I'm a business owner, I'm a lot of things, but if I'm struggling with this too, then how can we help other people? And I never like to keep a good thing to myself. So bringing you here today was very much um, very insightful. I'm incredibly grateful. I have a lot to think about. Um, but I also really just hope that people, mothers, fathers, caretakers that are listening can understand how yeah. truly important it is, no matter where you are in the journey, to stop, to pause, and to be reflective about how we are interacting with our world, because we are teaching our children every day, every single day. And what they see in the world is is not what I want them to live with, right? So how can I yeah. do a better job going within myself so that I can give them more? Um, and yeah. to do so with respect to to my time and energy resources and to not deplete my my well of of hope and service. Um, so yeah. as we close up today, is there anything that you would like to leave our guests with? I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss, who has a podcast, and he asks the billboard <laughs> question of, if you could have a billboard to say one thing to the world, what would you put on it? Yeah, for me, it is be, it's what Gandhi said is like, be the change you want to see in the world. So if for any reason, something in your life is not going right, it could be big or small, instead of looking outside, I urge you to look within. Mm -hmm. That's, that's going to be my billboard. <laughs> that's beautiful. And it's, it's so spot on. I, I've had that quote in my life for as long as I can remember, because it is me. It is my experience. And it's how I interact and then move beyond these things. So thank you for that. And Roma, um, if there, if you will, if you'll share how we can get a hold of you, can we find you on social, yeah. the website? Tell us how we find more Roma. Yeah, so my daughter tells me that if you just type my name, Roma Bajaj Goli, in Google, you'll find lots of me. <laughs> so it is true. I did it. <laughs> yeah, she apparently did a Google search on me and she says that, Mama, I just have to type your name and I see so much information on you. <laughs> so I am on social media Perfect. at Roma Bajaj. Only um, Instagram is my jam. So I'm mostly there. Mm -hmm. But um, I do have a website that is currently under works uh, because I'm evolving from, you know, for the last two years working with teens. Before mm -hmm. that, I was working with um, working professionals. So, but you can always find me on my website and my email, which is revive at wellnessbyroma.com. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, Roma, I thank you so much for having the thank courage you. to transcend all of the dark times and to use them as those beautiful strands into this cloth you've created. 
Um, I am really excited to watch as you continue this journey. And I'm really grateful that you have chosen to use your gifts in such a powerful way. The, the youth really are the future. And um, I, I'm grateful that they have you. So thank you so much. And um, please just keep shining that big, bright, beautiful light of yours. And I know it will continue to make a difference. Thank you. Thank You're you, Michaela, for having me. My honor to be here. <laughs> it is it is deeply an honor. And to our listeners today, think about what you can do to celebrate the way you use discipline in your life, the way you shake off imperfection, um, and the way you look at the dark times as gifts. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope you make it a great day. Thanks so much. And that's a wrap on another episode of And All The Things. If you enjoyed today's show, please like and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. If you really liked it, please go ahead and rate it. Then think about who in your life might also need to hear it and any of the other episodes we have shared. Then share it with them. When you find something meaningful, something valuable, you've got to share it and pay it forward to those you care for. Thanks for joining us and follow along on Instagram at MyJoyCoach to see more of me, your host, Michaela Bertieshaw. And as always, make it a great day.